0: This show is a part of the FM Podcast Network, the home of great music podcasts. Visit us at fmpods.com. You are listening to the Dylan Taunts Podcast. Welcome to the Dylan Taunts. What is it about Bob Dylan? I'm here with Michael Johnson. Michael is a major Bob Dylan fan. Some people like to use the term bobcat. I don't know, Michael, do you like that term at all? to use Bobcat. Okay. So Michael is a, a pretty massive Bobcat here. He has an interesting background. He started a career in teaching pretty late in life at age 42. And he's transitioned from eighth grade English to school librarian, which he says is a survival move. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're talking about. He's had a lot of experience seeing Bob Dylan. And seen him quite a few times recently and has actually seen Dylan in concert. What'd you say
1: to me over 300 times? I'm up to 302. So you kept strict count. I'll tell you how I got to the 302. I, I think it was Clinton Halen wrote a book like Bob Dylan day to day or something. And I was substitute teaching and I was killing time, like in a study hall or something. And I said, oh, this guy's got every show. And I started counting. And I got into the 80s, and that's where I started my count from that point after reading the book and going, I was at that show. I was at that show. I was at. So that's how I started keeping track. It's really hard to keep track sometimes, right? I had to go
0: back and, and make my list myself fairly recently, and I, I'm, I come up with a mere 27.
1: <laughs> so. Tickets are on your phone. You can't pull out a bunch of ticket stubs and count them up. That's true, too.
0: So I want to ask you our perennial leadoff
1: question. What is it about Bob Dylan? So what is it about Bob Dylan? Who? So it's really everything. When I got into Dylan, it was basically because a friend of mine got the lottery ticket and we got to go to the 74 tour. And so growing up, Dylan was on AM radio all the time. You would hear, sometimes you'd hear like a Rolling Stone, obviously the, I guess it was edited down for radio. Maybe not, and uh, you'd hear positively Fourth Street. You would hear uh, Late Lady Lay, and so I knew this knew who he was. And I wasn't. I was listening to uh, different stuff at the time, but once I got the ticket and I, I read this Caduto book, and I'm like, this guy is amazing. Like he changed the course of music. Some of the things I started listening to were a result of, of these bands uh coming out of the bob dylan vein so to speak country rock or if you want to call it that or you know the um uh, away from the typical love songs to the more complex stuff so a lot of times i'd listen to a dylan record and it would be his attitude or his performance on how he's coming at you and then once i started getting into it it just opened so many doors and now i'm looking at ginsburg i'm reading kerouac i'm listening to muddy waters I'm um, expanding rapidly as a result of having this connection to the Dylan music.
0: So, so Dylan's your gateway beat, basically. <laughs> so listening to Dylan got you reading poetry, listening to the blues, and then that leads to other things, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I love it.
0: When you first got into Dylan, you just talked about that a little bit, but what were your friends listening to? What were you
1: listening to at that time yourself? Because In the beginning, when I was younger, like my first concert, I was, I think I was 14. Living at the shore, you'd go, you'd either take the train or get somebody to ride and take you to Asbury Park. So the first show I ever went to, the opening act was Black Oak, Arkansas, and the uh, headliner was uh, Black Sabbath, right? So that's my first concert. My second concert was was Humble Pie. And so you're getting some, you're getting a white blues singer there with Steve Marriott and, and then I was in a record club and if you didn't make your choice and send in the card, they send you their album of the month. And so the first record I got that was not like metal-ish or rock and roll was an Orlo Guthrie rock record running down the road. And I'm like, this stuff is cool. This is great. And then the next record was stage fright by the band that came and that really redirected my listening tastes yeah' uh, a big time, so that was the transition from like Black Sabbath where we listened to a lot of we'd sit around and uh, in somebody's room or whatever, and we'd get high and listen to this stuff and And at the same time, we watched I remember after school watching a lot of soul train and because that stuff was always on the radio and listening to uh, the temptations and uh, things like that. And a little bit of Hendrix was starting to come in. and then he died when I was in eighth grade. I think he died in nineteen seventy, I think. And, and then it's ironically, I think I listened to him more then than when he was alive, which is the case for everybody now. Right. I was heading in a direction when I got that band record that really turned me on to that and I started seeking their music out and then I didn't even know there was a Bob Dylan connection there yet until, until they got back together for that 74 tour. It, but
0: maybe you can explain to us for the younger generations who may be listening, who have no
1: idea what you're talking about. With Columbia Records, record club, yeah. There was a club and you'd sign up for it and uh, you'd pay whatever a month. And they would You'd have to send in money. I probably sent in money. I had a paper route and I worked in a restaurant. And, and then the record would come to you in the mail. It would be vinyl, obviously. And I think I actually bought my first stereo through that record club. Cap- I think it was Capital Records. And uh, and so you got a card and so you could pick out a genre, usually they'd have a bunch of choices and you could check off what record you wanted. And if you didn't, they had the record of the month and then you would get stuck with the record of the month. And I got stuck with Arlo Guthrie and, that. and I've seen Arlo a bunch of times since I got, quote, stuck with that record. And that's the one with coming into Los Angeles on it, which is just so much fun. I think he does a couple of his father's tunes on there, Oklahoma Hills. I know he does. So I kept missing the- To mark off my choice, I kept getting these records that were absolutely outstanding. The one after the band, I got a a Quicksilver Messenger Service record. So I'm like, I'm really far away from Black Sabbath at this point, to say the least. I think my experience with the the Columbia Record Club,
0: I I came of age in the late 70s. So the the record of the month was more perilous, we'll just say.
1: And and the way they got you was like, you send us a penny and we'll send you five albums or something like that. I probably owe them hundreds of dollars, who
0: knows?
1: (laughs) So you've seen Dylan hundreds
0: Mm -hmm. of times, 302 times. How many times do you see him on this latest tour? Seven times this
1: year. And how do these shows hold up compared to the past? I'm really happy with the shows. I think one of the things I noticed about Bob and when people are walking out complaining, not on this tour, but... At other times, y- maybe you see him in a place where the sound's not great, or you always hear, I didn't understand a word he was saying. I don't think you were listening hard enough, or you didn't know the song the songs he was singing. But for the most part, I haven't seen a male in a lot of shows in the, in the last 20 years, I'd say. And he's really up there trying most of the time, I would say. And that's, that impresses me. And these shows around, obviously, he crafted this set list, and he, this is what he wants to deliver to people. And I think even within the songs that he's playing this time, you hear little changes. I heard really big change on uh, "I'll Be Your Baby Tonight." The last show I went to, he started almost like doing the wasn't like the up singing, but he was quickening up the pace on the lyrics a little bit, and to fit, and he's fitting them in different spots within the song. It seemed like to me, anyway, and. I always think it's a privilege to be in the same room with Bob Dylan. I always think like, people are like, why do you go so many times? I'm like, if you were alive during Beethoven's time and you knew he was going to be conducting uh, a new piece of music once a month or something, you'd go every month. Like, why wouldn't you go? And uh, here's a guy who is celebrated and known the world over. He's playing, he played shows in Slovenia for God's sake when to be able to see him this many times, it's just, why pass up the opportunity? And even though I did sell my ticket to Baltimore, I will say. Yeah, we do. Okay. So, yeah, it was because it's, it does, these things do cost money. It does get to you. Yeah. I, I lived in Baltimore for a long
0: time. He was playing the Meyerhof and I know that venue very well. It's probably nice, right? It, it would have been a nice place to see Bob Dylan. I was really tempted.
1: And on this tour, I, the f- best sound I got was in Waterbury. I was like a little bit up off the floor right behind the soundboard and I had a clear view and lined up directly with Bob and its sound was great. And unfortunately there was an idiot in the back yelling like two, almost every song, at least twice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All he's shouting now for cold irons. And I'm like, you're a little late on that one, dude. (laughs) And I should have said that's one of My big things is when people are talking or disrupting the music. It's just shut up. They got the rest of your life to talk about this stuff. Be here here now, which I love the thing with the phones now. I don't have to look through a screen on to see anybody else's phone. The only problem is I don't wear a watch, so I'm like, what time is it? What time is it? (laughs) Yeah,
0: the the yonder bags were a game changer a lot of ways. It's also you don't have the usher shining the flashlight in your eyes because the person behind you has got their phone out. I'm innocent. Why are you shining on me? <laughs> yeah,
1: Where people not- late, getting get to the show late and walking in and disrupting a little bit. I think that's annoying as well.
0: He he means it when he says 8 p.m. It is 8 p.m. sharp.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No more of that 10 minute uh, grace period. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. So,
0: w- w- were there any standout shows either recently or in your vast history?
1: Recently, Like I'll be sitting in a venue and I'll be talking to the person next to me and they'll say, what's your favorite show? And I usually say, tonight is going to be my favorite show because I'm here now and I'm going to hear Bob Dylan. So in the recent past, especially on this tour, it's it's really, I love the way he's sitting in the middle. There's a half moon around him. Boy, they don't take their eyes off of him. They're the the guitar players anyway. I think Tony's really locked in all the time and. uh, I think it's so funny when he introduces Tony and he just goes, and Tony's my base. Tony Gagne is the baseball heir; like, He's been there for 30 years. Although I've heard him introduce his, I can't tell you much about Tony, but I do know he, he tried to milk a cow with a monkey wrench. I've heard him say that, <laughs> but this is an outstanding performance that you're seeing now. The music is tight. The band is right on it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving his new drummer. Yeah. That guy's fun watch. watcher. And the other guy was cool too. Charlie Drayton was great too. Yeah. yeah. I was at a show once in Tucson and, and the guy next to me was Winston Watson. So that was pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. We got him to sign our ticket stubs and he wrote, thank you. Cause I guess, cause we recognized him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, what about in the past? Were there any shows that really stood out to you?
1: Obviously the first show changed my life. Um, I did get to see one show in a Rolling Thunder review. The late show on November 13th in New Haven, Connecticut. It was a big joint, but um, it was a hockey rink and uh, that show, when Dylan was doing like Isis with no guitar and you've seen the video, right? And he's animated and he's, you know, he's facing, he's turning, he's whirling around on stage, he's facing the drummers and he's turning around and getting back to the mic and, and really attacking the lyrics on Isis. It was like, whoa, this is intense. And then to try to make sense three years later, what's going on in 78, this is really different, but great shows. I always go back to this, the last show that they played when it was Larry and, and Charlie Sexton together. They played the Patriot Center at George Mason University. And this is when Bob was playing Brown Sugar, Old Man, some other covers, and they did summer days and they went wild. Next thing Tony's laying down on his back. Then Larry goes down, then Charlie's on his back and then Bob gets on his back and they're all playing, still playing the song while they're on their backs. And Bob Dylan was up on the floor and I run into my friend, Jay quite a bit on tour and at other shows too. And I'll say, we did see that, right? We did see that. That's amazing. I had a chance to talk to Larry about that a little bit and he just, and he remembers it. And so that's a great memory. As far as performances, I was lucky enough on what they called it, the Paradise Lost Tour with Patti Smith. I got to see four of those shows. Um, the duet with Dark Eyes, just, I watched that today. It really, it's just so brilliant. And those shows that he did in at the electric factory three nights in a row. Wow. That Philadelphia? Yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. That was just intense. He was playing, the last night he played West LA Fade Away. He was doing like, I think he was doing obviously Five Believers. Just stuff that you're never going to hear again, probably, unless he decides to go out and do all that stuff. But, and then what, there was another show that keeps popping into my mind. One of my favorite things was I went out to the gorge in Washington state and there was two nights in a row and it was, it was Joni Mitchell, Van Morrison and Bob Dylan together. All three played that played at the same venue. That was really cool, too. I got a lot of them. Yeah, it sounds like you've seen some <laughs> amazing performances. Van Morrison played together at the at the theater underneath the Madison Square Garden, the Old Felt Forum. Oh. I think I well, I think they played five nights. I caught three of them, I think. And it was right around the time that Carl Perkins had passed away. And I think Junior Wells died around the same time as well. And so Doran Van set. He called out Bob and they played Blue Suede Shoes together for Carl Perkin. That was very cool. And I was up pretty close for that too. And wh- I'll tell you one more, uh, the soy bomb guy, right? So Dylan was supposed to play a show at the University of Delaware and he had to cancel because he was doing the Grammys that night when the soy bomb guy did his thing, right? So they did a makeup date on that and it was at the end of the 99 tour with Phil Lesh and Friends and it was Phil Lesh was not there. But he had Susan Tedeschi open up, and this is the show where Susan came out and played with Bob, and I think she did. It takes a lot to laugh. She was there for Not Fade Away, and there was a time during a Dylan show where Tangled Up in Blue was number 5, and when number 5 started, the security guards in the front left, so you could go up to the stage and nobody would hassle you. Hmm. So I said to this person I was with who'd never seen Bob Dylan before, I said, Heather, as soon as we hear the first note of the next song, just start coming with me. What? What? Just come with me. Starts playing. We walk up. We're right in front of Bob on the rail, and it's the night Susan Tedeschi came out. So it was just so cool. And to be up front was cool.
0: Yeah. I always it
1: was wonderful to be up front.
0: Go ahead. Uh, Any shows that you wish you had seen?
1: It's funny. He played three nights at the United Palace Theater in New York up near the Washington Bridge, George Washington Bridge, almost in the shadows. And he played three nights in a row and Dion was the opening act. And I went to the first night and the third night and I missed the second night. And I saw my friend Lee Kaufman and I said, wow, I heard I missed a good show last night. I wish I was here. And he looked at me and he said, Michael, you've seen a lot of good shows. (laughs) <laughs> is, is there something I wish I'd seen? I wish I'd been to one of the shows where he played truck, and I would have liked to hear that. And I was hoping for for that in New York because it's got the ways and means. And but he, he didn't. He stopped doing that right after the night I met you. The last time he, he put an extra the surprise tune in there was uh, Stella Blue. The next night after I saw you,
0: yeah, it was we yeah we met in in uh, Port Chester.
1: Actually. Yeah. Played Stella Blue
0: at the, at the Capitol that night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you heard of Footlights, right? No, I was at the Stella Blue. I was at the second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: It was cool. It was very
1: cool. Really cool. I don't know. Maybe something in Europe. I had tickets to go see Bob and Ben Morrison in Europe and not in Europe necessarily, but the United Kingdom and Scotland and uh, England and, uh, I was working at a restaurant at the time. I had to work like 19 shifts in a row to get off to go to England and, uh, had the rail pass, had all my rooms booked and everything. And then that's when Bob got sick in 97, it canceled the whole thing. And I was like, oh man. So I wish, I wish I'd seen those. One of the things was interesting when I got back home on my answering machine not all of them, but I three, three out of five venues called that, called my number to tell me that the show was canceled. Huh. Can you imagine the Madison Square Garden saying, sorry, XR playing tonight? Not in a million years. <laughs> and sometimes they're not playing when they show up, right? right. You're, you are, I mean, an eighth
0: grade English teacher. Yeah. You're a librarian now, school librarian now. Has Dylan ever made it into your teaching, into your classroom in any way?
1: I used to use uh, one too many mornings to point out you are right from your side. I'm right from mine. I love that. The kids are all into hip hop and all that stuff and rap and everything. And so I would just tell them like, you might know who Bob Dylan is, but all the people that you listen to, they definitely know who Bob Dylan is. And without a doubt, they might, you might think they're all street and everything, but they have a craft and and Bob's the master of that craft. So why wouldn't you? pay attention to what he's been doing. And how do they respond to that? They look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> Just a, I, but I did run into somebody recently. Le- one of my former students is a wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. And he had a bye week and he came back and helped us with our food drive. And you, co- you come up and and Keith Kirkwood would uh, greet the people dropping off food. And he was getting his picture taken with st- all the students and everything. And he goes, you remember my fiance, Shana. And uh, I was like, I couldn't really read after a while, so many kids. And she says, I just remember you singing Bob Dylan songs. <laughs> there was, I guess there was the period there where I was leaning on Bob more heavily than other times.
0: We had some sort of impact there. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I hope she can write a good paragraph. <laughs>
0: So you got married in 2015, mm-hmm. and
1: how does your wife feel about all this itinerant Bob viewing? She is of the opinion that she's seen Bob Dylan enough at this point in her life, and I'm trying to, I try to remember the last time. I was trying to get her to go in 2019, I guess that was. I was. ago. he sounds so different than the last time you saw him. I think you'd like it. I think the last time that she saw him might have been on that tour with Wilco, and I forget who else was on that tour, My Morning Jacket, and we saw him in Camden. I, I I was always of the opinion that Bob can turn it on and off as far as clarity of his voice, and he's always experimenting with things, and we're also not hearing the mix that he's getting on the stage, right? So I was like, oh, you should come. He sounds a lot better, and he's, I think he would like it more, and she's, I've seen him enough. And she's a, she was a trooper, though. We drove to a place called Big Flats, New York, along the southern tier there, up in, out towards Erie, that way. And this show was in the backyard of a bar with plastic seats set up on a lawn and a makeshift stage. It was, I'm, like, Bob will play anywhere, I think. I'm sure he's enjoying playing these nice halls right now, but... I've seen him at a place called Solomon Island, Maryland. Do you know where that I is? I know it. Yes. Go to that show? No, I, I, no, I did not, but I know where Solomon Island is. In, a, there's like a marine museum there. And once a year they have a fundraiser, so he plays in the parking lot. He played in the parking lot there. I saw him play in the parking lot at Hershey Park. It's like at, it's like outside the stadium in the back of it. Yeah, and they just set it, up
0: metal seats. And yeah. They, they, took, they really spared no expense. They took strips of masking tape, numbered them, and you had to find your seat based on the masking tape and the brutal hot sun.
1: He was great, but it was a hot sun. I think that's the last time he played sooner or later, one of us must know. And did he do Tough Mama that night? Because I know he did Tough Mama the night before he played at Montage Mountain. I don't recall. I I do not have the recall. You do. Yeah. (laughs) I've lost a lot of it, trust me. I was looking at some of the set lists because you were talking about uh, the set list book. And I was looking at some of those 81 shows and I'm like, wow, he played a lot of songs on those tours. So he played well over 20 songs a night. And I think like 26 or something one night he played. It's crazy. I, I, I count it one up as for because I
0: had wrote a chapter. In, uh, right. book on that on 1981, October. I think one of the nights was 28. 28 songs.
1: Yeah. And even now when people are like, how is he? How is he now? I said, first of all, the guy's 82 years old and it's one song after the other. He's not taking a break. He's just going one after the other. And it sounds great. Uh, my friends just saw him last night in uh, Richmond. They loved it. He took his daughter. You see a lot of that now, people bringing their kids. They've never seen Bob Dylan, whether they're 40 years old or whether they're 14 or whether they're four. That's the show. All walks of life. It's a really democratic crowd, I'd say.
0: So you you talked a little bit about the music you were listening to when you first found Bob, but what do you listen to now besides Dylan?
1: One band my wife really does, and that I really like too, I think, is the Tedeschi Trucks band. They are just fabulous. And uh, we've seen them all over the place. We've been to Red Rocks a couple of times to see them. I usually go to Wolf Trap, see them there. We always, I always try to stay in the same, I know what hotel they stay in. So when we go to Wolf Trap, we're at the same place. And usually you run into people, you run into the band members, which reminds me, I was thinking of a show I saw at Wolf Trap with Bob when BR549 was the opening act. Mm -hmm. And that's where Donnie Heron, right? Because he was in that band. Do you know anything about BR549? No, I don't. I never heard of it. They were like a Texas kind of swing band or like doing old Hank Williams type stuff, but with their own modern lyrics. Mm -hmm this, I think I told you that I knew this guy, Jules, who was the sound guy. And he told me that they saw them on German TV and Bob wanted to get them to open up. And that's where Donnie Heron came from. And BR five, four, nine is the phone number that the mister, that the, the pot and pan salesman on hee-haw, that was his phone number. <laughs> the,
0: old, the old television show. yeah, right. and,
1: and Andy DeFranco was on that tour too, I think. and. So it was Harrod, BR five four nine, and Bob Dylan. And and that night Bob Dylan played Blind Willie McTell, and he dedicated it to I can't remember if it was Alan Lomax or John Lomax, the guys who went out in the field and recorded all these guys. And the, and the one guy was still alive and he was there. The son was at the show to see Bob. Oh my goodness. And that was all Wolf Trap in, in Virginia. Yeah, that, yep. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? And that was ninety I think that was ninety seven too. Okay. That's a nice venue too beautiful. It's gorgeous here. Yeah. It's the only venue like that in a national park. And then, what else do I listen to? There's a local guy and, and a few guys and a couple dudes from Long Island called Dogs in a Pile, jam bands, incredible musicians, Berkeley School Music guys. They're just incredible. And I uh, always want to promote the local guys. I'm not a big Springsteen fan, even though I'm close to Asbury Park. And I would always say to people like why would I go see him when I can go see his hero? And then there's another place by us, a local guy, and he does this thing called concerts in the studio. He's a photographer. In his backyard, he has a detached garage, and that's his photography studio. And he gets people to play there uh, quite frequently, a couple times a month. It'll be maybe somebody you never heard of, or it could be like Larry and Teresa, Larry Campbell and Teresa Williams. I've seen them there three times. Amy Helm, I've seen there at least three times. And it's reason really not expensive at all. And there's always potluck. And then they, you're standing there next to Larry Campbell eating salad or lasagna or something. <laughs> Talk to you. And there's 50 people it that holds. That's it. And it's nice because it's like a lot of times it's like a, a Sunday afternoon at three o'clock and you're home at six, which is good for... I'm starting to realize I'm getting older. <laughs> so what, what else do you want to tell us about Bob Dylan, your relationship with Bob Dylan? Like I said before, it's opened so many doors and it still does in a lot of ways. I was telling you in Portchester that I feel compelled a lot of times for different reasons to, to keep doing this, right? Like yeah, after a while, there's, there's a lot of people I know that they don't go to concerts anymore and I'm still going to 40 or 50 a year including the Bob Dylan shows when he's touring. And I did tell you that I got in my car and I drove to Hibbing, Minnesota, set up a deal with Bill Pagel to take a tour of the house. And I did the house tour and I brought my guitar and and, uh, sat in uh, Bob Dylan's bedroom and played some chords from Girl from the North Country, which was a big thrill. And it was the honor of a friend of mine who had passed away and, and, and his sister had given me that guitar. So I've seen Bob in 42 different states. So it's always part of the adventure. Bob has put me on, a, on the road to adventure. So one of the coolest things I did was I went to the Iowa State Fair in 2000, I think, and I got to Iowa early. So I got to go to the surf ballroom and walk on the stage where Buddy Holly played. Mm. I went out to the cornfield where the crash was and I brought my guitar and my camera out there and I hung out for a half an hour or so playing some songs and that that was a that was one of the things that Bob led me to. Things like that, museums around the country when I have time, just different things, and the music and the references. The I'm not a scholar. I see that Christopher Rick's book, and I keep trying, and then I put it away. And but I don't think you have to be a scholar to, to love Bob Dylan or love his art or love his music. But everybody comes to it from their own background and they take what they want from it or what they can get from it. And when I hear something one year might be different the next year, what I get from it. It's just it's seemingly endless the music. Yeah,
0: that's beautifully put. I love how you're following Bob Dylan around, seeing him all these different places led to all these other cultural experiences.
1: Because I'm not sitting on a luxury bus with a king size bed in the back. <laughs> after this show and drive to the next joint. When I first met my friend, Jay, who has seen him easily twice as many times as me. And I know a bunch of the Bob freaks out, there, the other stands as they call them. And 800 times, I bet. And, but the thing that differentiates me from a lot of people is, and it's just a function of my age, is that in January I'll be coming up on, on 50 years of going to Bob Dylan shows, which amazes me that first of all, then that I'm that old. And I'm um, still doing this and still able to do this. And I, I talked to my friend, Bob, and he goes to a lot of shows too, not necessarily Dylan, but just a lot of concerts. And I go with him and I said, when do you think that you'll ever not do this? And he goes, as long as I can get in the place, I'm going. And how I feel about it because mu- music is, I love it when, I don't really love it, but I see it on Facebook or something in these Bob Dylan rooms or uh, fan clubs or whatever, I'm a big fan. I'm going to see him for the first time. I'm 60 years old. Where you been? The guy gives you enough opportunities to go see him. It's not like he's hiding out. Maybe in a cowboy band, the cowboy band's there. You know, <laughs> he's, It's accessible. And, and I love when he said he said something like, they were saying, oh, you tour a lot. And he goes, no. Maybe King tours a lot. He plays 250 shows a year. I only do about 100. And he, he knows who he is. He knows the music tradition that he's coming from. That's for sure. And he, even now, when he's doing like when he does the standards and stuff, and that version of old Black Magic is just really in- incredible. It's so cool. And I don't go out and buy Frank Sinatra records, but that was his tribute to New Jersey. And in New Jersey, I saw Patti Smith in the lobby. I, I ran into Elvis Costello at the Beacon. He went to. I heard he went to four of the Dylan shows, and then I saw something. That guy Lee Ronaldo from. Sonic Youth was there, the same like with Patti Smith. So people are still going out to see him, have been influenced by him. Patty
0: Patti Smith, right after the uh, Port Chester show, I saw her perform in Kingston, New York. Oh, cool. She did uh, All Along the Watchtower. And just, when she introduced it, she said, I think Bob's playing around here somewhere. She's playing all cool.
1: <laughs> On that tour, with when she came out and did Dark Eyes, she did Wicked Messenger every night. And she also would do not fade away and play the harmonica and say, let's have a party for Jerry Garcia. Wow. And I thought that was very cool. And she, they opened, Patty Smith's group opened up for for the dead, I think in the Boston or something. we time talk Foxborough. <laughs> I have a cool shirt from a Patty Smith show at the Bowery Ballroom from New Year's Eve 2009, I think. And it's a picture that uh, Maplethorpe took and it's her, the picture's the mirror. I've heard brushing her teeth and spitting into the sink, which is perfect. Patty Smith's uh, picture. Well,
0: we're going down the Patty Smith rabbit hole here. So maybe yeah. I'm bringing this in a little bit. Michael, th- this has been great. I really enjoyed talking to you and I love your experience with Bob and seeing all these Dylan shows and, and giving us that perspective. It- it's really tremendous to talk to you and an honor, frankly. There's a bunch of us out there. I appreciate your specific memory too. You got a much better memory than I do. <laughs> I have to go look these things up all the time.
1: It's wired into Bob Dylan. You can pretty much take all roads will lead to Bob. I love it. In your
0: case, yeah. pretty literally.
1: Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Dylan Tons podcast.
0: Be sure to subscribe to have the Dylan Tons sent directly to your inbox. And share the Dylan Tons on social media.